Welcome to the Easy Living Yards podcast. Here, you'll learn how to create a beautiful, eco-friendly yard so you can enjoy a beautiful space that makes our world a better place. I'm your host, Ben Hale, and I'm an ecological landscape designer in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. My goal is to make as many beautiful, chemical-free, purposeful landscapes in our world so we can live better while helping the world around us. We cover topics from native plants, permaculture, and ecological landscaping to organic gardening, kid-friendly playscapes, healthy outdoor play, and living with purpose. Let's jump in and create your beautiful space that makes our world a better place. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Easy Living Yards podcast. As always, super excited to be here with another awesome show today. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Your Yard is Habitat. And I'm going to have a guest on today's show, uh, Kara Maynard from the Deeply Rooted Landscapes in Dayton, Ohio. And that's her motto, Your Yard is Habitat. And I love it. So uh, that's the title of today's show. And before we jump into welcoming Kara on the show... I wanted to highlight again, if you guys are working on your yard this year and you need some help, uh, as always, you can reach out with a quick question over at easylivingyards.com slash ask. And if you're looking to really dive deep and get some coaching help and stuff, consider the Easy Living Yards membership. You can always go to easylivingyards.com slash membership. Now for today's show, our theme really is talking about, um, you know, bringing and welcoming nature into our landscapes around us because our landscapes are not just homes for us, homescapes for us, but they're also homes for a ton of other wildlife in this world. And and quite frankly, in today's world, it's incredibly important that we welcome our yard as habitat for these other critters too, because their habitat is becoming more and more disconnected and more and more scarce. And, and, Ecologists across the world are learning that fragmented habitat spells death to species. And so your yard is fundamental. Our yards together are fundamental for the preservation of species across the planet. That's super impactful to me. Uh, It's super impactful to Kara as well, I believe. And um, so I'm excited to have her on today's show and um, also excited to meet her. You know, it's fun talking to somebody that lives so close to me. You know, so Dayton, Ohio, for those of you who don't know, is, is a city just about an hour north of Cincinnati, both located in southwest Ohio. So we come from very similar um, growing conditions uh, and really live only about an hour away from each other. And here it's wonderful to connect with somebody close by that, you know, shares the same passions as I do. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for an awesome interview. Also, a bunch of links that uh, she talks about I'll be sharing in the show notes as well. You can check those out over at easylivingyards.com slash episode 111, I believe. Uh, yes, 111. So uh, let, let's just jump into the show. All right. Welcome, Kara, to the show. Today, I'm excited to have Kara Maynard with Deeply Rooted Landscapes from Dayton, Ohio on the show. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you today. So you're the the first, the the first person from the local Cincinnati area that I'm going to try and feature on the show to uh, start featuring some of the awesome stuff we have going on in the Cincinnati and Dayton region. So for those of you who are not Ohio natives, Dayton, Ohio is just north of Cincinnati. We're both in Southwest Ohio. So um, we have an awesome growing movement of native plant enthusiasts in Southwest Ohio. And uh, Kara has an amazing business out of Dayton. And so I happy to have you to the show. I'm really curious to hear just a quick background from you on kind of what your business does, um, how you serve folks in the region, and um, why you're so passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, well, my business, I started thinking I could help folks figure out which native plants to get in their yard and kind of how to style them. And that was the initial concept was just garden design and uh, basically giving folks a a list of these natives and then they could go somewhere else and buy them. But then I had a lot of clients who were like, well, can I buy them from you? And I thought, well, that would be easier. So then um, 
In 2019, we were just offering consultations and design. Last year in 2020, we started adding uh, native plants for sale. And that was great. We did incredibly well with that. Um, so what we offer is, you know, consultation. We'll walk your yard with you and uh, we can identify plants. We can identify invasive species and how best to um, remove them from your landscape. And then we can do design and you can buy your plants for us. And we're also offering installation. So that's what we do. Okay. Wow. So it's kind of like an end to end process. It sounds like. Yeah. It's like, I guess people will call it turnkey. You know, it's like, we'll come, we'll educate you about your space. Um, the other thing that I offered for a consultation, which isn't how I started, um, my husband recommended it. I send you notes after our meeting. So when we're on site, I take a bunch of pictures with my phone and I take a lot of notes, but then for the client, I'm, I compile them all in a file. Um, and I put links in that are helpful and books and websites that I use on a regular basis. Um, and then I send you this whole customized set of notes from our meeting. And that has been incredibly well received. Uh, all my clients have been um, thrilled with that. Everybody who's given me feedback anyway. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds like it's very valuable. Um, I'm curious when people are reaching out to you, um, how, are they, how are they coming to you or what sort of problems are they coming to you with in the first place? Um, most folks seem to be finding me on Facebook and Instagram or referrals, whether, uh, cause I'm pretty tapped into the native plant community here in Ohio. Um, so sometimes, you know, it's a referral from another native plant person and it's their neighbor or their sister or whatever. Uh, but we've been getting a lot of traffic to our website specifically from Facebook. So I get a lot of messages and emails through that forum. Okay. So if, if there's somebody listening from, let's say Southern Oregon right now, would you recommend mm -hmm. that would be a good conduit to, to find somebody in their area is to go through say uh, social media such as Instagram or Facebook? Yes, uh, I think social media is excellent for that. But where I would probably go first um, is find your native plant society. So if you were in Oregon, I bet there's a very lively group of native plant enthusiasts in Oregon. So it's like the Oregon Native Plant Society. Um, and they will have a lot of that information on their website because that is one of the wonderful ways that the native plant movement is working. It's kind of like raise all boats. So these societies want to have all the information for you in one location. So here in Ohio, for instance, um, we have the Midwest Native Plant Society. We have April is Ohio. Uh, April is o Ohio Native Plant Month. They have every single vendor uh, in the state of Ohio listed on their website. Okay. They have every group working with native plants listed on the website, things okay. of that nature. So, wow. Yeah. So that sounds like a really good resource. Um, mm -hmm. I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes today. And if there are any other links to uh, make sure you share them with me after the show. Now I'm curious, I, I want to rewind a little bit and, and try and understand what really drove you to get into the native plants space in the first place. And why did, why did you even want to start deeply rooted landscapes in the first place? Well, I mean, not to go so, too far back, but basically when I was a kid growing that's, up, in that's the okay. 90s, I want to go, I want to go as far back as we need to go. <laughs> okay. So it all started when I was a little girl and I just, as long as I can remember, I've had this feeling that I need to do good things for the planet, like feel responsible, you know, and, you know, save the planet and mother earth. And I felt that as a child. And in the nineties, we were all trying to start recycling. I don't know if you remember that or if you are oh, of the yeah. same age group as me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was like, 
that's how I'm going to do it. So I, you know, convinced my mom and my dad to start recycling. And it was like, okay, we've got that figured out. And then my dad always had us outdoors. So I always loved being outside. We camped all the time and hiked. And then I was in the military. I was in the Navy for four years after high school. And I would drive around with this old beat up station wagon full of recycling that I would take from the ship. And it was like, that's how I was going to, yeah, that's how I was going to save the planet. Okay. I was recycling. But then when my husband and I uh, bought our first home in Dayton proper in 2009, uh, I wanted to landscape it. There was like two boxwoods or something. And I was at the library and I saw this book, uh, The Gardening Revolution, Landscaping with Mother Nature, Not Against Her by Andy and Sally Wazowski. And so I just picked it up on a lark. I mean, it was like, oh, I need some, to do some landscaping. And, and this sounds really interesting. So I read it and I was like totally convinced, you know, their argument is why are we homogenizing our landscaping across the nation? You know, if you're in Maine or in Arizona, the people have the same turf lawn and shrubs that they got at Home Depot. And that's interesting because obviously the weather and soil is a lot different in Arizona than it is in Maine. I thought that's, he's right. That's crazy. Why do we do that? And so they said native plants, you should start planting with native plants. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And I got online like you do. um, And I found the Midwest native plant conference. This was 2009. Okay. So I found the Midwest native plant conference. It was two weeks out from the conference. It's already the summer, which is why I'm thinking about plants. And um, I registered because they still had availability then, which is like totally crazy. Cause nowadays, you know, <laughs> as we were discussing, <laughs> yes, now you better be waiting by your computer as soon as the link goes live and you better just like register. <laughs> so I went to the conference and, um, I mean, it was just amazing. First of all, the feeling there is just so nice. Everybody was so wonderful. Uh, there was a lady there. I still, I've, I've seen her several times since, but her name's Marsha. And she just like invited me to sit at their table. And I, you know, I went alone and they shared all this plant wisdom with me. And they had these fantastic breakout sessions, keynote speakers, And it's just this incredible event. And of course they have native plant vendors as well. And uh, uh, so I, you know, bought a bunch of plants and I brought them home and then that was it. I was just absolutely hooked from there on. Okay. Wow. Um, that, that's a cool story. So I, I've never heard of that book, so I'm going to look it up and, and I'll, uh, I'll put a link to that. And it sounds like we're going to have a bajillion links today, but, um, I'll put a link yeah. to that in the show notes as well. Um, so that sounds really cool and I'm glad it, it really sparked your interest. And, and it's so true too, that, um, things are so homogenous, um, especially when you get stuff, you know, from the big box stores and general contractor landscapes is things are so homogenized. And that's one of the beauties of of native landscaping is it provides uh, a sense of regional uh, authenticity. And I think that's amazing. So I'm glad you discovered that. Also, thank you for your service and thank you for continuing to bring recycling to the Navy. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Um, Wow. Okay. So there's a lot in there. And, um, and so it sounds like it, it really sparked you when you were looking at your new home and you were trying to figure out what to do beyond the boxwoods. And so was was there kind of like a I guess it's it's kind of intertwined with with the whole saving the planet feeling is that correct as far as what really sparked yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, so after I um started landscaping with native plants, you know, I I just read that first book, but there's so many other great books about native plants and landscaping with native plants and why we should be using them. So then I just, you know, started going down the list. Um, and I read Doug Tallamy, Dr. Doug Tallamy's book, uh, bringing nature home, which is usually people's first book. Yeah. 
in terms of getting into this whole native thing and understanding it and um, in understanding the relationship between our native plants and our insect populations. Um, but, you know, I read everybody, uh, Joan Maloof, uh, okay. she is the uh, founder old of growth. the Old Growth yeah. Network. Yeah. Yeah. And, we had her on the show was, here a little while ago. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Joan's amazing. Great. <laughs> Absolutely. I and, did, and, actually, you know, I, I have to interrupt. Did you know she's going sure. to be in the Dayton area later this month? I did not know later that. Later in April. What? Yeah. I'll have to send you a link. Um, I actually have to reserve. I don't know if there's going to be enough spots because I think there's due to COVID they're having, they're having a dedication uh, just outside of Dayton. And um, I'll, I'll send you the information after the show, but yeah. So great work she's doing. I didn't mean to interrupt completely, but no, no, no. I, yeah. I interrupt for Joan Maloof for sure. She's <laughs> fantastic. The work she's doing is incredible and her, her books are wonderful. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I just read a lot of books and there were so many Midwest specific books. Um, what I learned is that, you know, really the birth of the native plant movement, I mean, it hap it's basically started here in the Midwest. Um, and that's probably where we're so, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't live anywhere else. I live in Ohio, but <laughs> I feel like the network is just getting so big here. And maybe it's just because we've had more time that we've been working on it here in the Midwest um, with this great native plant community. So, okay. I, I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. It's kind of like birthplace of the native plant movement. Um, and so so then, you know, all this reading that I did um, after reading Doug Tallamy's book, and now I've read his second book as well, um, Nature's Best mm -hmm. Hope, it's um, it's like, oh, man, native plants. Like, if we can save native plants and we can get them in our yards and create more habitat, well, plants are the foundation of everything, because basically everything is tied to native plants. You know, the insects eat the plants, uh, the birds eat the insects. Um, you know, we eat, lots of people do, not maybe not you, but, um, <laughs> you know, people eat herbivores, you know. So native plants are the very base that make up the whole, you know, food web of life. So it seemed like the most simple solution for me if I want to, you know, save the planet or help mother help mother mother nature <laughs> she nurtures too, i need so that's good. <laughs> nurtures too absolutely she gives endlessly um then i need to get on board with native plants and i need this needs to be what i do okay that's that's a awesome story uh so thank you for sharing and and we kind of touched on one of the things i wanted to talk about was <sighs> not only why you care about natives, but why natives are so important. And you kind of just with, with Doug Tallamy's work, you kind of touched on that as far as it supports a massive food web, including our own. Right. Absolutely. And, and so yeah. I'm curious then you, you talked about with your consultations, helping people identify invasives and there's a lot of uh, controversy as to whether or not so-called invasive plants or exotics, uh, are are kind of warranted a space in our landscape as well. So I'm curious to hear your opinions here uh, as far as both exotics and or invasives and if there's a difference and um, or if you'd rather not share because it's highly controversial, that's fine too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's all that controversial. Uh, I mean, there are studies, that are absolutely showing that some of the exotics we have introduced are incredibly invasive. And there's now, not only do we have in our own state, the Ohio Inv Invasive Plant Council, um, who specifically studies various species of plants that are invading, you know, our roadways and woodlands and, you know, spaces, but there are laws in place you know, banning the sale of certain plants like the, uh, the calorie pear right. in 2023, they'll no longer be, uh, available for sale. It'll be illegal to sell calorie pears because they are so highly invasive as we can tell. And this time of year, since they're popping up everywhere and blooming right. with their 
stinky smell. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, you know, there is, an, there is a difference. We have plenty of um, non-native plants in the nursery uh, sphere that are not uh, known as invasive. You know, they don't travel around um, and they're not finding their way into the woodlands and, and stuff like that, like I lilacs. Get, right. You know, your boxwoods, uh, I guess. Boxwoods. Right. They're not going anywhere. I mean, they're not, you know, we're not finding them in woodlands, but we are finding burning bush right? Uh, exactly. throughout the woods. Um, garlic mustard is one that, you know, was escaped from gardens and is now wreaking havoc in woodlands and lesser celandine. So, um, yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. And and thank you for sharing. And and the reason I'm asking is is because I have gotten, you know, some level of controversy or, or choice feedback at times. And and the reason I like to discuss it is it's, you know, there's so many dynamic opinions on on whether or not this is um, you know, a worth worth pursuing a, a more focus on natives versus traditional gardens which usually have uh, more heavy heavy reliance on exotic plants and and it i think it, it like you're saying it's important to make the distinction that not all exotics are necessarily bad or or non-native plants or plants that are uh, evolved from other regions uh, whatever however you wanted to define it and um mm-hmm. but yeah there are certain plants that do cause problems and you uh, you mentioned quite a few of them so uh Another one in Ohio, for example, is purple loose strife, which is a beautiful plant, mm. but it's it's causing massive problems along with lesser celandine um, in our waterways. And so, uh, I think it's I think it's uh, worthwhile, personally speaking, that our our own gardens become spaces for habitat conservation or providing new habitat where maybe it's been gone for perhaps a couple hundred years. Yes, absolutely. And, and the, I think there's a misconception that just because a plant naturally occurs here, um, or in the place that you live anywhere, just because it naturally occurs there doesn't mean that it still can't be highly ornamental. Um, and that you can't have a highly stylized garden using these plants. I mean, that is what I do for folks. I mean, I, uh, all my clients have different aesthetics. You know, some people want a garden that looks more conventional, like, you know, shrub, mulch, shrub, mulch. But that shrub doesn't have to be a boxwood or a burning bush. That shrub could be a high bush cranberry, which is a type of viburnum. You know, it could be um, it could be an elderberry. It could be a hazelnut. You know, it could be all these different types of things that are native. I mean, there's so many shrubs. Pick, take your pick of native shrubs, but it's just the way you style it. And they could be surrounded by mulch and, you know, but then you still have a native plant, native insects can feed on the foliage and it's just, its value has skyrocketed because, you know, the boxwood wasn't providing any of that. Right. And I think that's an important distinction is, and you've already touched on it, but just to make it as clear as possible that, the one of the big difference not only are natives potentially you know less likely to introduce disease or um, become invasive because they evolved in this region, but they also provide support for other levels of life throughout the food web. Yes, they do. I mean, the birds eat the insects. Um, Dr. Talamy talks a lot about how um, it's the caterpillars and. Uh, specifically that are so nutrient rich, particularly to um, nesting birds, birds who are feeding babies because the caterpillars are just like squishy. They're like the baby <laughs> food, you know, baby yeah, birds. I mean, food, they're you know? super high in, in protein and fat and everything that a, a baby bird needs. Comes in a nice squishy little package. <laughs> it's not crunchy. It's not going to hurt, you know, and, 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 you know, I, he basically says that in his book and it's like, wow, yeah, that's, that's great. And if you don't have plants that can support the caterpillars, well, then you're not going to get those kinds of birds coming to your yard that you might want to see because they need food. 
And and I guess it's important to mention too, or I guess to ask you is, I know a lot of feedback I get is, well, if you use native plants, then aren't they going to get eaten by all these insects and, and then they're going to look bare in my landscape? Is that been your experience? No. I mean, yes, there will be some holes in your plant. Um, but a plant that's not getting eaten is not doing its job. Um, however, in my own yard, uh, it depends on the species. So, you know, let's say you plant a white oak, which again, Dr. Chalamet says, if you can only plant one tree in your landscape, make it a white oak because white oaks, yeah, they support more species of insects than any other uh, tree in North America. It's over 400 and uh, maybe over 450 species of insects um, feed on white oaks. So are you going to see the holes in your leaves of your white oak tree? I don't think so. (laughs) Um, But you're supporting so many insects just with that one tree. Um, And so that would be trees in general. You're not going to worry about that. Um, And in your other plants, I mean, I think there's an excellent trade to be made for some chew holes. What my children and I enjoy doing is going out and looking at a beautiful rose milkweed or um, Asclepias incarnata, also known as swamp milkweed. We like to find chew holes because when we find chew holes, that means that there's probably a monarch caterpillar underneath that leaf munching away. Right. And then that's just pure joy. Then you're not just looking at your flowers. Then you're looking at life. Monarch caterpillars are so cute. Um, <laughs> if you want, you could bring one in and watch the whole life cycle, which is just entertainment for the whole family. Um, and of course, not just monarchs. I mean, there's caterpillars to be found on all these different uh, plants, just depending on the species and um, all kinds of cool insects. And there's just so much more. I think it's so much richer when you're gardening for life and you're gardening for wildlife um, and supporting the food web. It's not just the plants anymore. You're going out to see what else you can see. What kind of bees are you looking at? Um, what kind of, you know, we have these gorgeous flies get a really bad rep, but we have beautiful flies here in Ohio that are um, excellent pollinators and they are in all these cool, funky, iridescent colors. I mean, I want to see that too, you know? <laughs> so you're, you're starting to recognize the beauty beyond the plant itself then. So you're welcoming all the other levels of beauty into your landscape if I'm absolutely okay yeah that's yeah absolutely I I feel exactly the same way it's so fascinating um to to see all these insects coming by to visit these plants um so you mentioned your children and I'd love to hear how you involve them uh both in your home life because I've heard legend that your your landscape at home is is pretty amazing um, but also in Thank perhaps you. in your business as well, or at least how that trickles into maybe how you, how you raise your kids. Well, before I started DRO, which was in t- 2019, um, my kids are, well, my kids are five and seven and I was a stay at home mom, um, from the time my daughter, uh, Etta was born in 2013 until 2019 when I decided to start DRL. So, um, you know, we, well, I guess I should say that when I started the business, I started it because I knew that I could still be a present parent and, um, engage with my kids. I mean, if I'm outside watering plants or, you know, I'm doing some design at the kitchen table. Well, I'm still there. You know, proximity is important. I mean, my kids can run out in the yard and I can still be mindful of them. So I thought running my own small business fit in with me previously being a stay-at-home mom um, and still enable us all to spend time together here at home. Uh, But prior to starting the business, I mean, we spend a ton of time outside, uh, just, we just spend a lot of time outside. As my neighbor says, we're outside people. Like, 
we're outside <laughs> four seasons out of the year. You know, there's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices. Uh, that's how we feel. <laughs> and, and my kids have just, this is like what they know. Um, they know that I love bugs and plants and, you know, we'll get down on the ground together and, and just look at, at all the things, collect worms, you know, whatever. And so having a business that's based on plants and creating habitat and bringing nature to people's yards. I mean, my kids think it's really cool and they understand it because that's how we live. You know, they help me in the garden and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It totally goes together. Wow. Now I'm curious then. So it it sounds like we here at um, home base for easy living yards aspire to something very similar. Uh, and aspire is the keyword. <laughs> um, I'm curious then for those listening that might have younger kids that they want to get involved in in nature and in the outdoors, even if it's just one step outside the back door. What are some suggestions you have as far as you know trying to maybe trying to be a little freer with with letting our kids engage or trying to create the spark for them? You know, maybe they're not interested at all, or it seems that way. So how? How would you maybe talk to those parents that that might be wondering how to do this? Yeah. Well, first of all, one of the things I do as a gardener and just and a native plant person is I like to focus on when I'm planting plants, plant interesting things, specifically host plants. I mean, everybody gets excited about caterpillars. Everybody does. I mean, you know, all kids could be completely interested in caterpillars. And so I like to choose plants that I know will attract butterflies who will lay their eggs that will then become caterpillars because seeing butterflies and caterpillars is really um, (laughs) engaging. (laughs) Yeah. It's super fun. I mean, it's just, and it's so rewarding when you plant something and you finally see that female coming to lay eggs and you're like, Oh my goodness, it's really working because it does, you know, they say in the native plant, uh, community, if you plant it, they will come, and it's true. So it's so amazing how thing, how they find it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's totally amazing. Our first year in this house, um, we've been in our house for just over two years. Uh, that first spring, I planted a bunch of milkweed, but there wasn't previously any milkweed on the property, or really anything that interesting. We do have a lot of trees, but um, it's like basically five acres of turf grass. Uh, okay. So I planted this milkweed. <laughs> and I mean, every single, I planted 30, I planted 30 milkweed plants and okay. every single one had monarch caterpillars. Oh, wow. That's, and tussock moth caterpillars. <laughs> oh, dude, it was so fantastic. <laughs> it was just, it was amazing. Um, and my daughter, both my kids plant with me. I let them okay. choose plants. Um, if, you know, before we were running um, and selling our own native plants, um, you know, well, and I still buy native plants from other people. Let's be real. I'm, I'm totally obsessed with them. So <laughs> I get plants all the time. But, you know, uh, my friend Gail Martin owns Natives in Harmony in Marengo, Ohio, north of Columbus. Okay. She has a beautiful setup. So we go up there and my kids, I let them pick plants that they just think look cool or are interesting. And then they plant them. My son thought Bicknell sedge, that was the thing he needed to have. <laughs> so he has this sedge and he planted it in a place that I suggested it might thrive. And now he's like, checks on his Bicknell sedge, you know, when it's growing. And, and my daughter um, sees me doing design and she's recently asked if she could help me help like work for me, which Okay. You know, one day, but um, <laughs> that's exciting. It's cute. Yeah, I love it. I mean, she thinks what I'm doing is pretty neat, and I it's flattering that your seven year old thinks you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she made it this beautiful design using my uh, landscape stencils, and without any prompting for me, she put in strawberries, watermelon, milkweed, and asters. And wow. I was like, this is great. That's <laughs> this awesome. is really great. So I give them ownership, you know, um, 
our yard is not necessarily like the designs I do for my clients. I mean, I did design in some areas, especially out front, um, more, more of like a, you know, stylized garden. But then there's right. areas that I want to just be playgrounds and lab areas and free for the kids to just feel like they could do what they want to do, you know? Right. Yeah. No, it's okay. We have a dirt pile in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. And it's dirt is dirt awesome. pile. <laughs> yeah. Dirt is super fun. Yeah. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing. That's, um, for one, congratulations. It sounds like your kids have a very rich life, um, living there. So that's amazing. And, um, and kudos to you. So I hope we all can come away with, from this with a few tips and pointers. I mean, I love the idea that you're talking about of giving them ownership. Um, that's a tough thing for me sometimes, you know, cause I'm, I'm busy working on the yard or on projects or whatever. It's, it's really tough sometimes. So, so that's awesome. Thanks for that tip. Um, and then also, yeah, planting interesting things and, and things that grow caterpillars. That's, that's awesome. Um, I was super excited. We have some pawpaw trees in the backyard oh, that have yeah. been, they've been struggling for some years. They were transplants from an area that they were going to get cut down anyway. And so the, the person let me have them that was getting rid of them and pawpaws don't transplant well, but these have survived. Um, our kids named them Polly and Paul, and I don't know which one's which, <laughs> but, um, but it was so exciting. We had some, uh, I think, what is it? Uh, zebra swallowtails, I think are the ones that are, um, Paul, yeah. Paul was plant for And, mm-hmm. uh, and there was of course, yeah, a bunch of little caterpillars crawling all over them. Uh, I think it was two years ago. Uh, it was so exciting to watch. It was so fun. So, um, Oh yeah. And a beautiful butterfly too. I mean, you're very fortunate. (laughs) I haven't had one yet. So that is awesome. Yeah. It was super exciting. I mean, we don't see them very often. And and so to see the caterpillars there, was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're getting close on time here. And before we go, I really wanted to hear a little bit more about um, the Midwest Native Plant Society. And also for those that are listening across um, the United States, uh, the Wild Ones organization. So as, as I recall, you're, you're involved with both. And so I'd love to hear about these organizations and kind of what you guys do. Okay. Well, Midwest Native Plant Society, I am not directly involved in it as in I'm not on their board or, um, or anything like that. I have a lot of friends who are, they're doing awesome work. Um, with COVID, I think they've been very creative. In fact, this year there, uh, we are having our Midwest native plant conference with some COVID restrictions in July, but in order to reach more folks and to try something new, uh, they're going to have a homegrown habitats tour in June. I believe it's Saturday, June 5th. And so they've had a series of um, native plant gardeners um, who are going to volunteer their time and their yards to be put on a map that people can come and tour uh, this day. We're going to have native plant vendors as well. I'm going to be one of them and our yard is going to be on the tour. Um, that's awesome. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure what the tickets are going to cost and stuff, but it's just a wonderful way. They're thinking so creatively. Um, it's going to go from Cincinnati to Dayton and over to Yellow Springs. Um, it's just an amazing way for a people to get out of the house and do something safely outside um, in 2021. It's a great way to showcase native plants in established yards, new yards that have, you know, native plants and projects and stuff. Um, It's a great way for uh, native plant vendors to make contact with people and uh, get even more native plants out there. So I think that's really exciting. Homegrown habitats because of um, Doug Tallamy's uh, initiative for homegrown national park, which comes from his second book. Um, So while I don't work with them directly, they're totally inspiring and they're doing a lot of great work. And, um, and I, you know, I will be a sponsor for the tour. So I'm involved in that way. Um, So deeply rooted landscapes is going to sponsor 
uh, be one of the sponsors for the tour awesome. and for the conference. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, Midwest Native Plant Society. And then um, for wild ones, I am part of the Dayton area wild ones. We go by Daywo and um, that's our Daywo and we have a website. Yeah. And, um, but wild ones is a national nonprofit organization that I believe was started in Wisconsin and their whole mission is to um, promote ecologically sound landscaping practices uh, and get more native plants in like all landscapes, you know, whether it's schools or your yard or business, um, landscaping, let's get the native plants out there. Um, and so they promote the sustainable native plant, um, gardening practices. And with Daywo, uh, we've been doing a bunch of cool stuff. We, I'm the vice president, um, of the chapter. We have some fantastic uh, officers and members who are just, you know, they love native plants. Um, uh, They support this mission and uh, they're just, just really excited um, to get out there and and talk to other people about the benefits of natives. Uh, We have a garden that we installed in a formal design, but with all natives in Beaver Creek, Ohio. It's right off the bike path. So it's a highly trafficked area, which was ideal because this means a lot of people see this so native it's like planting. It's a, show, a showcase garden. It's a perfect showcase okay. garden. And that's actually what we're trying to do as a chapter is, is pick locations that are high traffic, highly trafficked areas um, to really get native plants out there you know, and have people see how beautiful they are. Um, so we worked in, um, we worked with the city of Beaver Creek parks and rec department. Uh, they bought the plants. We provided the design and the labor of installation and we weeded the garden. And this year we're going into year three. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of this saying that first, you know, with native plants, first they sleep, then they creep, then they leap. Yeah. So the first year, yeah. And um, so, and that means basically it, it, right. It takes them a couple years to really kind of get in place start to get yeah. going a little bit and then they really take off. Right. Yes. So this should be the leap year because it's okay. year three. So we're all really excited. We were out weeding last week, the winter weeds and, um, yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, the other, so, so we have, you know, we have a garden in Dayton that we're working on and then we're looking for other projects that have come forward and we're kind of reviewing them and deciding which ones we want to go for. The other project that we're working on that's really exciting is called Project Pollinator Pack. And this is, this is how we think we're really gonna get kids engaged. This is how we show kids how awesome native plants are. We go in to classrooms in local schools and um, we give about a 20 minute talk about uh, pollinators and how important they are and talk about the connection to native plants. Um, And we dress up and there's costumes and it's just like, it's the kids are always really excited. They're wonderful. We blow milkweed fluff seeds everywhere in the classroom. <laughs> so the teachers think it's fun. The janitors might be really mad yeah, at us, but not so much, but they, Oh, but the kids are like 100% into it, which is exactly what you want. You know, okay. this really cool experience. They're going to remember, you know, the weird ladies who blew the milkweed fluff <laughs> everywhere. And, uh, and then we send, um, they all get sent home with an order form for a pack of native plants and it's a subsidized plant pack but the families do have to buy them and if they do then they get a pack of six native plants and uh and then they can plant them in their very own yards you know and then they can see monarchs coming to their yard and they can support insects in their yard and we didn't do it for this year because it was just school was so weird 
everywhere this year. And, you know, we all felt like it was too risky to go into the classrooms. Um, but we're really excited to, to get back into it in late 2021 and early 2022, because it went over incredibly well. In our first year, we sold 85 um, pollinator packs, which was more than we, we thought we would. Okay, that's fun. That's exciting. Wow. So I guess if, if somebody was kind of interested in natives and learning about natives, Wild Ones kind of provides an opportunity to meet other people in the space, which um, me speaking personally can be a very lonely space if you're if you're surrounded by people that mow their grass every day and and plant, you know, the boxwoods or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah. so it provides community. And then it also, it mm-hmm. sounds like maybe you can also have education along with it to learn about natives, but also opportunities to give back or to um, service oriented type things as well. Yes. This year we're going to focus on a lot of um, invasive species removal projects, but yes, I should have said that we have monthly meetings. Um, a lot of them have been on zoom, but going into the summer um, we're hoping to have way more in person we do field trips. We have really interesting speakers. So yes, every month is just an awesome chance to meet up with a bunch of other native plant folks and either learn more or share your wisdom. And um, we have a lot of fun. Okay. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And so the website for Wild Ones is wildones.org, right? And then is there a, a way for people to find local chapters on there? Yes, it's listed by state, um, and then it has all the chapters that are within uh, that state. Okay, great. But, yeah. You can go ahead. I was going to try to give you ours. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I think it's just Dayton Area Wild Ones. Let me see. We're on Facebook, um, and ours is DaytonAreaWildOnes.org. Okay, all right, so I'll have a link to all of this in the show notes. So for people listening locally, you can go straight to the Dayton Area Wild Ones.org, uh, or I guess Dayton Area Wild Ones.org, right? Um, mm-hmm. Dayton. People outside of this region can go to Wild Ones.org. And yeah, it sounds like I'll have a, a link to a bunch of the stuff we talked about today. And as far as people that might want to get involved directly with you, Kara, um, with deeply rooted landscapes, um, how can they best reach you or where would you like people to go? Um, the best place to go is to our website, which is deeply rooted landscapes.com. And then there's a um, highlighted tab to email us. Email is probably the absolute best way to get a hold of me. Um, Facebook is also great. And we are on Instagram as well. Okay. And you have some beautiful Instagram photos, by the way. So anybody that's Thank big you. in Instagram can also follow you. And what's your, what's your Instagram handle? Or I guess it would it just be best to go to your website to find all this information. Everything is on the website. Yes. There's links to Instagram and Facebook and our email. Okay. We also have our 2021 uh, plant availability on there as well as our services um, and their costs. Okay. Wow. That's great. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all of your story and and awesome tips about natives and and also with your kids too. I think that's incredibly valuable. Um, and and of course, last but not least, the how to get involved with wild ones or local native plant societies. So, thanks so much, Kara, for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed our talk here. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Yeah, um, I'm always telling people this. This is my this is my tagline. Your yard is habitat. Um, okay. You know, everybody. If you have a little piece of land, we all have the power to, um, you know, save the planet, which is what I've always wanted to do. Um, we can create habitat in our own yards by just putting in that one native. I think it's too easy. We all forget, you know, sometimes that we share these these properties that we live on. Um, but we absolutely share them already. So, you know, if we can encourage Mother Nature to, you know, send send more beings our way, then, you know, we should embrace it. 
Yeah, I love it. Your yard is habitat. That's beautiful. I love it. Well, thanks so <laughs> thanks. much, Kara. Have a wonderful day. Uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm super energized after that discussion. Uh, that was so much fun talking with Kara. So Kara, thank you for, for you know, being so open to coming on the show. Uh, I reached out to Kara uh, through the the local Wild Ones chapter, actually. So i um, super excited to be connected with Kara. It was fun to get to know her better. And um, I hope you guys are likewise energized. Uh, we talked about a lot of things uh, today and uh, also a lot of resources. So I wanted to share those resources with you now. Um, first and foremost, you know, go over and check out deeplyrootedlandscapes.com. Uh, I'll have a link again for all of these in the show notes. If you go over to easylivingyards.com slash episode 111, or, um, you know, if you kind of, if you're in your podcast app, most podcast apps allow me to include show notes, which include all these links in the show as well. So, um, Check out her website, deeplyrootedlandscapes.com. She offered you can contact her via email through her website. Um, So if you have any questions uh, directly for Kara, um, that's a great way to to reach out to her. Um, Also, she talked about her Facebook and Instagram pages. Uh, She's active on both. Uh, I think she has a lot of beautiful pictures she shares. So um, go on and check those out as well. Uh, Links in the show notes. Um, She also mentioned, of course, we talked quite extensively about the wild ones. And so I'll have a link to wildones.org, which is a national nationwide network uh, of native plant uh, groups. So uh, you can check out and see if there's a wild ones chapter in your area. And if you're from Southwest Ohio, I'll have a link to the Dayton wild ones website, which is, um, Let's see. We talked about it. It was uh, just just check out the link in the show notes. Um, and uh, also, um, you know, there's uh, the Cincinnati Wild Ones chapter and the Midwest Native Plant Society. So there's tons of resources just in Southwest Ohio. I was I was surprised to know that I didn't realize that Ohio was such a big uh, place for the the birth of native plant groups. So that's that's pretty exciting as well. And I'm going to have to learn more about that. Um, so go check out those resources. Um, I also I can share a link to the Garden Revolution Gardening Revolution book she talked about. And um, yeah, so. Those are awesome ways to to really start thinking about if, you you know, this is new to you, to start getting involved, thinking about uh, native plants in your place and how to get started. You know, this can be pretty overwhelming. So I want to provide uh, some resources for you guys, and I'm, I'm sure Carol would like to do the same here. So so those are some resources to get started. As always, if you have questions, sounds like uh, Kara is pretty opening t- open to reaching out to her, so you can reach out to her directly, or always you can reach out to me uh, via easylivingyards.com slash ask. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. And remember, your yard is habitat. <laughs>